0: Bibles to First John chapter three. We are progressing well through this chapter. <laughs> we, we are now up to verse 16, and uh, I, I, I don't want to do too much of a review, but just to bring you all up to speed, remember again that the Apostle John is contrasting the children of God with the children of the devil. Remember again, these are not um, backsliding Christians? These are not normal unbelievers. Okay, we really—I really want to uh, clarify that point because uh, everything that we look at, if we don't see it through those eyes, we're going to misunderstand and uh, misapply these scriptures to our lives. And you know, these scriptures can really bring a great deal of guilt (laughs) when you don't know this. And pastors that want to guilt their congregation into doing stuff use these scriptures. I am not one of those. Okay, all right. What I want to do is set you free. What I want want to do is bless you. And what I want to do is give you the rightly divided Word of God so that it can work the way it was meant to work in your life. Amen? Now, having said all of that, we are now coming to the place. Remember again that we looked, first of all, at the things that we can't do. As believers, we can't commit certain kinds of sin. Amen? But then the apostle John went and talked about these children of the devil, and he literally means that. These are not just really bad unbelievers. These are literally children of the devil. And you know what? Let me just go back to verse 10. Remember again, he says, in this the children of God are manifest. This is 1 John 3.10. And the children of the devil. Do you understand? So he's saying this is the way we can tell the children of God from the children of the devil, not just unbelievers, okay? And so, once again, we need to remember that, because a lot of times people forget that verse is there. And then they go on to to, to preach messages that are very condemning. And we miss everything that the Apostle John is trying to get across to us. So, I don't want you to miss that. Now, the second thing that he went on to talk about, remember again, was that he said, as much as we cannot commit certain sins, and the devil's children commit them all the time, okay, okay, Remember, he went on to talk about the kind of love that we have that only we can show because it's agape love. It's the God kind of love in us because God is in us and that the children of the devil cannot display in their life. It's not there. Amen? Now, remember again that the kind of love we're talking about is the God kind of love. Are you all with me? Okay. And that God kind of love can only exist in God's children. It doesn't exist in the children of the devil. Now, what I was going to say was that this isn't talking about friendship love. okay? It is talking about agape love, which is a love that gives without expecting anything in return. That's why it's translated charity a lot of times. So that's what we're talking about. And that, and that charity is real charity, not the kind of stuff that goes on in the world today. I don't know what all happens there. but okay. But we're talking about real God kind of love. For God so loved, he gave. Amen? That kind of love. So uh, we've, we've got to verse 16 now. So let me get to verse 16. And I wanted to say all of that so that you could understand the first few words that come out of the Apostle John's mouth. When he says in verse 16, by this we know love. Okay, so you know what kind of love we're talking about. Amen. Meaning that this is the standard now of love that is reflected in genuine Christianity. And here he says, because he laid down his life for us. This is the kind of love that gives its life up. Not just says, I love you, but actually shows how much, okay, by what they do. And it says, because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for our brethren. Now, it's a hard verse to swallow, okay, but... Let's just look at this slowly. Let's take a look at the first part of this verse. So here again, Jesus Christ is presented as the prime example, and in fact, the model for us as Christians to follow. Did you get all that? Okay, he is the prime example. He is the model. If we are going to follow anyone, we need to follow him. Are you all here? Amen? And you know, can I just say this? Don't look to follow a man. Be careful, because men will let you down. If you follow God... Even when man lets you down, you'll be able to forgive them. Listen. Because you weren't following them. Because you didn't set them on a pedestal. Because you weren't expecting them to be perfect. Because nobody is. Amen? Amen? But you follow God and then you just know He'll never let you down. You can have your confidence in Him. And also be very forgiving towards everybody else and yourself. Amen. Amen. Okay. In his commentary, I. Howard Marshall writes, In the present context, the actual wording used to lay down one's life is significant. It indicates that one is prepared to give up one's own life in order that others may live. See, so it's not just a matter of giving up your life, it is giving up your life with a purpose. Are you all here? It's giving up your life, knowing that it is going to do some good. You know, some people just like to be martyrs. You know, <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, I'm doing this for the why. Ah! They jump off the building. It's just like, okay, and you fell on somebody, and you know? <laughs> okay, no. But you know, what I'm trying to say, listen, man, it's not about just throwing yourself off a building and giving up your life. This is about giving up your life for a reason, not a useless life. all the disciples agreed it was better for Jesus to be with them than to leave him, (laughs) okay? His life wasn't kind of one of those, you know, well, I guess I have nothing to do this week. I'll just go die. You know, it wasn't one of those lives. Every day had purpose. Every day had meaning. Every day he was led by the Spirit. Every day very specific things needed to be done. Are you all with me? It was not an aimless life. You know, when you look at... (laughs) I remembered, you know, a a real tragedy, okay? I remembered at one point, remember one of the space shuttles that blew up? You know, and and the Challenger, thank you. And uh, I just remember, it was such a sad, uh, uh, you know, occasion. And I remember a person that was next to me. uh, I I won't tell you who they were, but, you know, a Christian, okay? And they were watching it, and they said, what a shame, what a waste. All of these people that had, you know, they were saying... Imagine all the training they've gone through and the extraordinary individuals that would have been to have been put on that space shuttle. All just to be taken up and blown up. That's a waste. That's sad. Now, it's true that every life is precious. But there are some people that do so much. You know what I'm trying to say? And that's the category that Jesus falls in. This is the life that was given up for us. It had so much that it could do and and did. Remember, he healed everyone. I can just imagine everybody going, Well, who's going to heal us now? I mean, he cleared out the hospitals. I mean, they took him out of the hospital, I believe, and just took him to Jesus. And then they went home. There was no bill. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's the kind of life we're talking about. Anyway, let's continue. Love means saying no to one's own life so that somebody else may live." That's what the apostle Paul meant when he wrote in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 8, "...and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself," this is Philippians 2, 8, "...and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross." I want you to notice a few things in that verse. Notice that he humbled himself. Nobody could humble him. You know, people have said, Oh, poor Jesus, blah, blah, blah. It wasn't poor Jesus. Jesus decided to do this. But what you need to be concerned about is not poor Jesus, but poor you if you reject that. Josh, right. hear what I'm saying? See, we, you need to understand the significance of what he did. Don't stand there and feel sorry for him. You understand that he did all of this. Now, if you don't pick up your cross, now, <laughs> if you don't receive that, then you're in big trouble because he did do all of that. Amen? And He didn't do it so you could feel sorry for Him. He did it so you could be restored back to the place you were designed to be, and join God's family. Hallelujah! Praise God! You know, that's the, that's the good news that we've got, we belong to a new family now. We've got a new daddy. <laughs> okay? And you know, whatever you thought you got in your DNA that wasn't good from your parents, you got a new one. And really, family, can I just say this? By faith, we need to receive that. Did you hear what I said? By faith, we need to receive that. Just like you receive your forgiveness, you you need to receive the fact that you have new DNA in you now. That God is now your Father. And that spiritual DNA will override your natural DNA whenever it's necessary, if you let it. Amen. Amen. Especially for significant things. Amen. Hallelujah. So notice he says that he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. So he humbled himself and allowed himself to be taken to the cross. You know, Jesus could have done whatever he wanted to do. <laughs> you know, remember when the soldiers uh, came to arrest him and Pete just cut one of the, you know, I mean, he wasn't, you know, he was naming for the year. He's not that good. He's a fisherman. <laughs> You know what I'm trying to say? The guy ducked, you know? and what sliced off was the ear, you know? And so I, I you know, wouldn't it just been a year too? I mean, something else would have got cut along the way. You can't just, you know, and and you know, anyway. So I'm just saying. And Jesus just tucked the ear back on, probably healed whatever else was wrong. The people that came to arrest him, he healed. Think about this. See, he was in control. In fact, at one point, it says that when they said, you know, when they asked uh, for Jesus and he said, I am, they all fell over. One of the accounts actually say that. Do you know why? Because the word I am is God. It is another name for God. Remember, they said, uh, Moses said, who shall I say sent me? He said, I am. You know why he said I am? Because he he, it wasn't a I was or I'm going to be. I am right now I am. <laughs> okay, it's bad English, but you get it. Amen? And you need to know that that's what he is for you today. I am right now. You need, you need deliverance? He is right now your deliverer. Amen? You need healing? He is right now your healer. You need peace? He is right now your peace. Do you understand the Bible says that He is our peace? He didn't say He was our peace. He's gonna be our peace one day. He right now is our peace. That's the reason why whenever you have a need right now, God is a God of right now. He will meet all of your need according to His riches in glory right now. <laughs> okay? Uh, if we receive it. Now, there are some, some things take time to manifest, you understand? But other things, man, when you need it now, you'll get it now. Can I get amen? Amen. Don't push stuff that you need right now and say, well, one day I'll get it. If you need it now, God will get it to you right now. You need to have now faith. Faith, faith. Where is that in the Bible? Now faith (laughs) is a substance. (laughs) Okay, okay. amen. (laughs) All right, let's move on. All right. Accordingly, Simon J. Kistemacher writes, Jesus' death on the cross is not a passive death. Comparable to the sacrificial death of an animal. Listen. Jesus died actively and purposefully. Of his own will. He laid down his life for his people. Now why is this so significant? Whenever you call on him. Please remember what he did for you. You need to know that. So that you can receive from the throne of grace. So that you can receive from the God of grace right now what you need. If he is willing to die for your family. Listen, there's, a, there's another kind of theme running through this. It's a little bit hidden, but it's there. The Apostle John is trying to tell us something. Because in the next verse, he's going to talk about helping your brother. I'm trying to phrase it correctly. He's going to talk about helping your brother or sister in need. That if you're willing to give your life in this way, then you should be, you should be willing to help them. In, in smaller ways. But can I say what else is happening here? Can I give you a little insight into an underlying message? Or a, a message that is running under all of this. And that is this. That Jesus Christ died for you. Because he died for you. Then all the little things you need in your life right now. He'll do for you. Amen. Amen. That's the really great news. You know, it's not just about him asking you to give up your life and help your brothers and sisters. He is asking you to do the thing that he is already doing right now and wants to do right now in your life. Are you getting this? See, that's why I said, I want to bring you good news. Okay, I don't want to, <laughs> I, I told you, you can use these verses and condemn people or you can bring good news with them. I want to bring you some great news that the same Jesus that died... Is the same Jesus that's saying, Ask of me what you will. And the same Jesus that says, I kind of need your faith in order to do this, but all things are possible to those who believe. Amen? See, Jesus will never come and force himself on you. The devil will, but the Lord never will. That's why you have to receive him. Amen? Amen. Are you getting something out of this? I hope so. Because, you you know, I want you to walk out of here and I want you to have a renewed confidence in the Lord and understand that what He did so many years ago applies to you right now because it's the same Lord who died that wants to meet all of your need. Amen? Amen. Let's go to John chapter 10. Remember again that Jesus died actively and purposefully of His own will. He laid down his life for his people. That's reflected in John chapter 10. I'm going to be reading in verses 11 and 15. Not all the verses, just those two verses. First of all, in John chapter 10 and verse 11, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. I want you to notice, see, this thing keeps coming up over and over again, that he gives his life. His life isn't taken from him. He wasn't doing something good one day. And suddenly out of nowhere, somebody came and just arrested him. And he wasn't ready for it. And why are you arresting me? I've done I've done no harm. I'm a good person. Okay, You know what I'm trying to say? It was one of those, I need a lawyer. You know, as they drag him away. Okay, it's, it's, I'll be forced to accuse. It's not one of those things. I want you to understand again, he says, he gives his life. He was prepared to do it. He knew the day was coming. In fact, he said that to Peter, and Peter said, No, Lord, don't go do that. And he said, Get thee behind me, Satan. He <laughs> okay? went from a rock to... Anyway. All right. So, <laughs> but, you know, I want you to notice that he was always in control. Listen to me. And he can be that in your life if you let him. If even, you, you might be feeling like your life is kind of out of control. There's somebody that can do a fantastic job if you allow Him to. Let Him in. We receive, we receive Him as Lord to save our soul, to be born again, to get us headed to heaven. But kind of we stop there sometimes. And God, that's okay. You can go now, Jesus. You've done your work. I'll do the rest myself. Don't do that. <laughs> we, rust, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and power. The devil's out there. Amen. Amen. And you need a God who can manage all of that, who can overcome all of that, and not let all of that turn your life upside down. Let me say that. Amen. Okay, so uh, let me go on to verse 15. So again, verse 11, he said, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for his sheep or for the sheep. Verse 15, as the father knows me, John 10, 15, even so I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. Notice again that, notice the connection between himself and God, the Father, okay? Remember he's God the Son, by the way. Notice his connection. Everything that he does is purposefully. This is something that was planned out. Amen? This wasn't something that just happened to him. He decided he was going to do this. Thank God for that. A person that could have called on, thousands of angels they were at his beck and call they were there with their swords drawn i mean i can just imagine them standing there going you say the word and we'll finish this right now all those that came and mocked him listen there was an angel there with the sword drawn he goes you want me to take care of this guy I I, I need you to see something here. See, we see poor Jesus hanging on the cross, and I'm not taking away from his suffering in the least, okay? It was a horrific death. That's why it's called crucifixion, okay? It's, It's horrific, all right? But I want you to understand that the person that was being crucified allowed himself to be crucified. God was still there until he said, My Lord, my my God, my God, why has Thou forsaken me? Until then, do you know, listen to me, He could have just unhinged Himself off that cross, taken Himself right off and floated down. Because they were challenging Him to do that. If you are who you say you are, come down from that cross, can you imagine the temptation? Listen, He could have been Superman with a, cave, with a cape right then. And go. You want to see something? You really want to see something? Pop the nails out, float up, heal himself. Hey, he does that too. Have you noticed? And come and just light landed on the ground, and say, "Who wants some of this?" Everybody would have run in the opposite direction. I need you to understand. I'm, you. I'm trying to get a point across. Have you noticed? Okay, I'm doing all of this to tell you that he was in control every step of the way. At any time he could have changed everything and it would have been a disaster for us. Wow. Why am I bringing all this out? Because that's the person that's saying, make me Lord of your life. I actually do love you. And unlike some people that say, well, I'm doing this for your own good. Actually, they're doing it for their good. (laughs) When Jesus says, I'm doing it for your good, he's actually doing it for your good. Amen? And you need to know to trust that, which is why I'm giving you all of this information so you understand that that's the person, the person that could have at any time gotten off that cross, at any time changed everything for himself and left us in a mess. And he didn't. And guess what he expects of us? The Apostle John goes on to say <laughs> First John chapter three, letter half of verse sixteen, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. In his commentary, Simon J. Kistemacher says when he says ought, he imposes a moral obligation as Jesus extends his love by giving his life. So the Christian ought to express his for the believer by being willing to lay down his life for them. Did you get all of that? Amen. That's why Jesus said in John 15 and verse 13, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Listen, he is always talking about himself. Every time he says something, he isn't saying, now I want you to do this, but I'm not going to do this. He isn't that, you know that general that stays at the background, and that has little pieces on the board and pushes them, and they die, and he goes, oh, well, we lost a few there. He's the one that's on the field leading the charge. If there's anybody going to die first, it's going to be him. And I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this, he won't. <laughs> okay? That's why he's in front. Because he wants to look after all the little sheep in the back. Because sometimes they get scared and run in the wrong direction. You know? <laughs> all right? Amen. Yeah, crazy things. All right. (laughs) Now, this is in direct contrast to those who would take the life of another. Remember again that we were, we, when we were looking at these verses prior to this, and again, why I want to bring your attention to this, remember we talked about Cain. Remember the, the murderous heart. So we're, we are now contrasting the, the children of Cain or the descendants, the spiritual, I call them spiritual descendants of Cain, the children of the devil. Okay. As against the children of God. The devil who killed and murdered. Remember, he was a murderer from the beginning. Okay? Who who and, and lied from the beginning? Okay. The devil against God. Specifically, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. One's taking life and so does all of its children. The other one gives life and so do all of its children and laid down his life for his children, and so do all of his children, all his brethren. We are r- really the Lord's brethren and God's children. Are you all with me? Amen? Okay, so <clears throat> so this again is in direct contrast to, who, to those who would take the life of another. Again, showing how those who are of God are in direct opposition to those who are of the devil, not just unbelievers. Can even, let me just say this as well. How does this apply to us right now? I want you to understand that whatever you do, wherever you go, we need to be people that promote life, that give life from within. You have a God of life inside of you. Do you know that everything that you do, if you allow it to, will be anointed and bless people? You know, I, I, I pray for the girls in the front here because, you know, they have beautiful voices. They're out there singing and they're not all Christian songs. <gasps> yeah, it's okay. Listen, I know they're not bad songs, okay? Uh, I hope not. Anyway, so <laughs> no, 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 okay? <laughs> but listen to me. You know why I, I pray over them? Because wherever they are, whatever they're singing, it's not the words, it's the spirit behind it. They, you know, whenever they open their mouth, life comes out of them. Have you all noticed there's some people, when they open their mouth, you go, Ugh, cringe, yuck. Be- okay, because death is coming out of them, and those are some people that you never ask how are you. You know, because they never are good. There is a death in there, and it con- that it continually comes out. Now, I'm not talking about any of you here. Okay, I do care for you. I know you. Okay, and I know you need to pour your heart out at some sometimes. Please don't. This is not one of those things. I'm just talking generally. Okay, that there there is some people that have you know they don't have any life in them. And But listen to me, you guys have life in you. That wherever you go, whatever you're doing, you don't even realize that you're imparting life by the things that you say, in the attitudes that you have. There is a presence of God around you constantly. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. You're not trying to be one. You actually are. The big question is, how are you displaying that temple? Well or not so well, (laughs) okay? Just watch out, all right, please. Just be aware that wherever you go, there is life coming out of you. And listen to me. You might say, well, I don't feel a lot of life coming out of me right now. Give it a little time. The reason that you're coming to church is so that the word of life is ministered to you. And I pray that that's what I'm doing. I'm actually ministering to you, not just the word of God, but the word of life. Because the word of God is life. It should be life. And as you receive it, as your spirit receives it, it should bring life to you. And life should grow on the inside of you. To wherever you go, life is pouring out of you. That's why you need this more than once a week. That's why we put it up online and I have it all over the place on media. So that you can listen, not just because you know you. I want you to listen to my stuff or anything like that. It's you need the word somewhere, somehow. If this ministers to you, listen to this. If somebody else ministers to you as well, listen to them. I don't care. Just get the word. Make sure it's the right one, but because the wrongly divided word will do more harm than not listening. Do y'all get that? Yes. Okay. I hope you understood what I just said. <laughs> <All right. laughs> okay. So now, having looked at the uh, what the children of God are, or should be, prepared to do in verse 16. The apostle John now goes on to point out, not only the least we can do, but more importantly, what the children of the devil refuse to do. By saying in 1 John chapter 3, and now we're into verse 17, he says, But whoever has this world's goods, and sees his brother in need, and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? Now notice uh, several things here. And we won't have time to get into this today because I only have about six minutes left. okay? But let me do what I can in these few minutes. Are you all here? Oh, five minutes left. <laughs> okay. You sure? You just took one off. All right. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Notice he says, whoever has this world's goods. Let me, you know what? Rather than go into, the, into detail, let me give you some high points. We'll come back and go into detail next week. How about that? Okay. Watch a couple of these things. Notice he says, whoever has this world's goods. No, The first thing is you need to have it. Oh, brother, I don't want too much. You know, I'm just happy for my four and no more. You selfish thing. You then don't fall into this category. You refuse to fall <laughs> into this category. Because good. I don't want to be, you know, I, I don't want to be covetous. You don't have enough to be covetous with. Amen. Imagining money doesn't work. Okay, you got to have stuff to have that problem. You say, yes, brother, I don't want that problem. Well, you know what? Now you're just thinking about yourself again, aren't you? Why don't you ask God for the money and the wisdom to go with it? Amen. Oh, that's a new thought, isn't it? Did you all get that? (laughs) Listen. No, you know what? You didn't get it. Let me say it again. (laughs) You all just, I just, whenever I mention money, I think you just glaze over a little bit. This is for you. This money is for you. Are you all awake now? Who goes, ooh, money. Wait, somebody said money for me? Okay, all right, now you're awake now. I'm kidding. I'm playing with you. All right, <laughs> listen. Ask God for riches, because we pray for that for you. I pray that for you. I don't want you to counteract my prayer by going, oh, well, God, now I don't know if I could have that much. You know, like, like <laughs> is it My Fair Lady? You know, Higgins is going to pay the, that girl's father, and he goes, oh, no, don't give me too much. I always remember that part in that movie. He goes, "Because if I have too much, everybody will start coming to me for money. I don't want to do that." You know, and he, I mean, he was, <laughs> you know, this professor stood back and said, "My goodness, you should be teaching economics at Harvard or something." You know, it's just like, wow, this guy—the way he was thinking was just incredible. But see, that's how—not good, incredible, but just incredible. Okay, I'm just saying, this is how people think. They just think, please God, don't give me too much because I don't want to get all covetous and I don't want to have, you know, I don't want to have that root of evil in my house. It's money isn't the root of evil, root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. You can have that without having any money. In fact, people that don't have money have that because they want money. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Amen. Listen to me. You can, you need to believe God for finances and say, God, I'm believing for two things: the money. And the wisdom. Amen. And that way, you won't become covetous because you've got your eyes on him. Then you will fall into this category. Now we can go back to the verse. No, I didn't lose track. Okay? All right. So, <laughs> so, then you can be the person, one of those whoever has this world's good. You go, yeah, that's me. Amen. I got the money and I got the wisdom. Okay, now we're talking to you. And sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from it. I want you to notice two things here. I want you to notice that the person that has... kids, you know what happens? A lot of people leave and they're thinking, I don't have a lot and I feel guilty now. That's why I went through all of that just to get you out of that guilt, guilt wagon. Okay, are you all off of that please? All right. So, <laughs> okay, for the person that has... For the person that what? Has... And then sees somebody in need. And they have so what it takes to meet that need. Are you all with me? Okay. But then they shut their heart from them. Listen. If you have it. And I'm not talking about, oh, but that was my last $5. See again, we're not talking about you now. Are you all with me? I'm talking about the person that had 105 bucks in their pocket. Now, are you willing to part with five bucks? Yeah, I didn't even say a hundred. waiting for the hundred, weren't you? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <Yeah>. No, I'm, <laughs> okay. you're all with me now. If you see somebody with a hundred and five dollars and you know that they don't need more than a hundred bucks, you know that five bucks is just there. And then, because I want you to get something here. I don't want you to go home guilty. I want you to see something. And the, but the person goes, no, I don't have any. And you know, you saw them back there. They got plenty. And they're not, that wasn't all they had in the bank. I mean, it's coming out its ears. You know what I'm trying to say? Okay. And they go past somebody and they beg or they ask for something and they say, no, I don't have it. That's cruel. That's terrible. Are you all with me? Do you get what this is saying? This isn't saying take your last five dollars and give it. And that's, now that's what we're talking about. No, that's, no, see, you didn't have that to give. I know people that have given their, you know, electricity money. And their water money and everything else. And can I just say this: you, the water, you know, the water company, the electricity company doesn't take Philippians four nineteen. They want real cash. Amen. Listen, man. If you got, you know, if God has supplied you with money for electricity, pay the pay the bill because you need to pay the bill. But there are some churches who will take that money from you. They will guilt you into giving that money. They'll call it a sacrificial you know, uh, offering, whatever they want to call it, that week, you know? (laughs) Okay? Are you all here? Listen, do you know why it's wrong to give that? Teaching a little bit on finance here. Do you know why it's wrong? Because you promised that company, when you signed the contract, that you will pay them for the electricity they supplied. They have supplied you with electricity, now you're not paying them. Wow, you've just robbed them. God's not that way. Amen? So, listen, I'm not talking about that. Are you all here? No guilt today, okay? All right, so I'm out of time. Notice he says, whoever has this world's goods, now we all know what we're talking about, sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? In other words, he's saying, if you see somebody like that, you know that person isn't a godly person. You know that this is of a different spiritual descendant. Amen. Regardless of what they say, regardless of how enlightened they might say they are. It's amazing how people are enlightened when it suits them and when it serves them. And suddenly they're not so enlightened when they have to give something away or whatever. <laughs> okay? Listen, that's what makes the, that's the difference. And that's what we're talking about. Hallelujah. You are children of God. When you see someone in need, can I just say this? If you don't have something to give, you still can give in the way that you pray for them. Do you know you can pray for somebody who has what they need to cross their path? And be willing to give it to them. Don't ever walk away with your head hung and going, Well, I didn't have anything. and Oh God, I'm so sorry. Yes, stop. You're thinking about yourself again. You think about them. And you say, God... I don't have it, but please find somebody that does and bring them across their path and bless them. In Jesus' name, amen. And then this brother will come along that has to give. And they'll go, oh, funny. I wasn't actually going to go this way today, but I just happened to be going this way today. Because you prayed. Amen. And they're able to bless this person. Now, both of you get blessed. Just because you didn't have it doesn't mean you get blessed. You prayed. You get the blessing of what the prayer brought. Amen? Amen? All right, let me leave it there.